Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. The laws that are passed in other states aren't supposed to impact us here in the state of Utah, but California Assembly Bill 5, a law that was intended to protect workers, uh, has impacted a lot of the gig economy workers, and it's actually sparked trucker protests at the ports, particularly the Port of Oakland, and it's causing even more problems in an already very stressed out supply chain. And that's causing problems for regular Utahns in terms of costs of goods and services and availability and it hurts businesses who are trying to export their goods overseas. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. We're really pleased to have joining us on the program today. Lori Ann Rocco is the senior editor of Guests for CNBC News. She's also the author of several books, including Trade Wars, Containers Don't Lie, Navigating the Bluster, and Dynasties of the Sea, the untold stories of the post-war shipping pioneers. And we want to dig into this specifically as it relates to truckers today and uh, what is happening down in California around gig workers and the gig economy. And uh, Lori Ann, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So for some of our listeners that may not have been following this as closely, uh, there the shortages and supply chains and all of that. And then underneath that, there is this uh, messy thing uh, dealing with uh, shippers and the Port of Oakland in particular. Sure thing. So down in California, you actually have the ability to be your own operator for a truck. So you're an owner-operator and you are independent. But unfortunately, because of AB5 that was passed back in 2019, that was called the gig worker law, where you were trying to make sure that folks that were gig workers, they would be able to get insurance and things like that from companies that would hire them. Well, these truckers, they do not want to be employees. And what happened was the law is now in place because the Supreme Court refused to hear the case when it was bubbled up through the court system. And so now you have about an estimated 70,000 truckers who own and drive their own trucks falling under this law, and they don't want to become an employee. And so what happened was you had hundreds of truckers uh, literally block the entrance, if you will, for the longshoremen and for trucks to come in for about four days. And it, it really turned into a hot mess, so to speak, where the longshoremen did not want to go in, right? And the terminals literally had to shut down because they did not have the men and women to go into the terminal 
to move the containers. And so once that the truck drivers realized they had that power, so to speak, right, because they knew that the, the longshoremen went across their picket line, they just kind of doubled and tripled down. And so finally, after really a total of five full days of this labor strife, the Port of Oakland finally opened on Monday. And there is a tremendous backlog of containers. Wow. So the Port of Oakland is the eighth largest uh, in the U.S. And, yeah, you describe it as a hot mess, uh, which is a good description for so many things going on these days, including the weather, by the way. Uh, but uh, yeah. give, give us some of the data in terms of what is the impact. Having the eighth largest port in the U.S. down for five days, what's the impact there? Sure. So when you think about the flow of trade, a lot of people have always just seen vessels, right? You see them anchored outside of the port. Well, there are various pipes that kind of feed into one another, right? And the truck driver, and I like to call it a scrabble word for your listeners. They are called drayage drivers. These are the men and women that move these trucks specifically with the purpose of moving a container in and out of the port, okay? And so what happens is you have items, and particularly coming out of Oakland, you're looking at wine from Australia. You're looking at clothing, electronics. All of these items that come in from various parts of the world that come into the port, they wait to see if they're going to go by rail or by truck, and then they go to this distribution center or directly to a store. And what's happening is for every day that a container sits or you have a pileup, so to speak, it takes double or triple the amount of time to clear things out. And the Port of Oakland, we've created a supply chain heat map mm-hmm. at CNBC looking at the container dwell time, and that's the wait time of a container. Yeah. They are the worst performing in the West Coast. They were already 9, 10-plus days of a single container waiting. Last week, as a result of that congestion, you are looking at least at 17 days for a container to leave. Wow. So think about those products waiting at the port to try to get to a, a store near you. Wow, that is uh, that is fascinating, and and so as you uh, look at kind of how that all, how the hot mess continues, we'll just say undulate along, <laughs> very slowly, uh, <laughs> trying to get through those seventeen days. I do I do think it was really interesting. That the longshoreman said, uh, "Hey, we're not we're not going in either." Was that an interesting combination? Because they're quite unionized, I would suspect, uh, versus those drivers that are more in the gig economy. You know, they are. And, you know, the, and I spoke with uh, the ILWU's chapter, uh, chapter, I think it's chapter 10, if my memory serves me correctly, about, you know, about the not crossing. And it was literally because of safety. And they have it in their contract that if they are, you know, if they are fearful, they are not going to risk their life to go in. But the thing of it is, there are thousands of men and women that were not able to go to work. They don't get paid if they don't go in. It's not like you get like a day off or you get paid. They literally do not get paid. So it really motivates these men and women in order to cross that picket line, so to speak, to get paid. But they couldn't. And, you know, there were very instances where, you know, there was pushing or shoving allegedly involved, not with the longshoremen. But, you know, if you see like a real big mass of people and you have the ability of not do not going through there, do you really want to risk your life to go to work? Yeah. And so that's what happened. Wow, that's uh, that is so interesting and such an interesting combination. So, what's the fallout uh, in California? Uh, again, uh, we've kind of watched this as it relates to the uh, AB five. Again, that gig worker law. 
so here's a very specific in terms of, of trucking and shipping. Uh, what are the other ramifications down there, or has this caused uh, spillover into into other places? You know, they tried they tried a similar tactic. They meaning the independent truckers in LA and Long Beach, but to give you uh, uh, the apples and oranges, so to speak, of the size. So the Port of Oakland sees. 2,100 trucks every day going in and out of their terminal. The Port of LA and Long Beach see over 15,000. Oh, wow. So if you have, say, four or 500 truck drivers protesting in Oakland, that's going to really, really slow things down. At a port, at the port complexes of LA and Long Beach, 500 is, is like a speck of dust. You know, things might slow down a little bit, but it's not going to grind to a screeching halt like it did at the Port of Oakland. And so, you know, they try there and they're continuing, you know, to voice, um, you know, their displeasure, if you will, with this legislation. They have free speech zones set up at all of the ports where they are now, you know, stationed. Um, But the fallout is really the buildup of the containers. And so, you know, I talked about it earlier where you know, say you're closed for one or two days, it could take anywhere from two to five days for congestion to be cleared out, out of a terminal. We're going to stay with this question and this conversation just a little bit longer, because again, everything that's happening at the port, everything we're dealing with in the supply chain actually does impact us here in the state of Utah as well as it does with the rest of the country. So we're going to continue on with uh, Lorianne Larocco, who's the senior editor of Guests at uh, CNBC News, uh, author of some great books as well. And uh, this is an important conversation. It's one we don't always get to, uh, but it, it is one that impacts all of us. Stay with us. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. We're staying with the question and the conversation just a little bit longer. My conversation from earlier today with Lorianne Larocco of CNBC, who's done just some amazing deep dive work into the data uh, in terms of what happens in terms of the ports here in our country, in particular the Port of Oakland, which has had a strike. Uh, there in California, based on a California law that was uh, designed to target uh, gig workers and have them have to be hired by the companies that uh, that they work with, so they could get benefits and those kinds of things, uh, and it seems to be backfiring in a number of ways, uh, and that impacts the supply chain, which impacts everything from what we can find on the shelves to what our businesses can export overseas. So I asked Lorianne, how long is it going to take to clear this backlog? Every day that a port is closed, uh, it just adds, and it's not an equal time thing. So I asked her, how long is it going to take to clear the backlog, and what vital businesses are being most impacted uh, by this strike? Before I spoke with you, I spoke with Marine Traffic, and this is a company that actually monitors uh, vessels and port productivity. Uh, using satellite uh, technology that is used on the vessels. And so I asked them, just how bad is it right now at the port? And based on uh, the data, the the backup is much more significant. Uh, you have more vessels waiting to get in. And also the, the wait time of these containers are, are, are ticking up, so to speak. So no matter what kind of rhetoric that you hear, from the port saying that things are open and are back back to normal, right? 
unfortunately, you know, you're stuck with a landslide of containers that have to now be dug out right. in order to uh, get back to that normal. Yeah. Yeah. And looking at that, uh, again, if it's building up 17 plus days, uh, that is, uh, is there any political pressure being applied in terms of uh, kind of looking as, at the forward-looking part of this, uh, any political pressure in terms of repealing uh, that gig worker law, the AB5 law down there, uh, or is this just kind of one more one more thing in the hot mess category? <laughs> you know, it's a hot mess, but I would put it as a hot mess for Newsom. And, and the reason why is, you know, we all know and we've heard, you know, the chatter along the grape line that he might want to run for president. And big labor was behind AB5. Does he really want to go against big labor and take the independent truckers out of AB5? Yeah. He'll, 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 you know, that, that, that's a lot of support labor. So I think it really depends. I mean, when I, when I reached out to them for my report, you know, I got a very generic, you know, comment. And, you know, I pushed and pushed for something a little bit more specific than, you know, than the comment of, you know, well, it's passed. You got to, you know, got to pull up your strap boots and, you know, go along with it. But these men and women, they own their own rigs. So they buy their own insurance. They pay their own taxes. It's not like um, they're not doing that. Right. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds. Yeah, uh, and it's so interesting because uh, those uh, so many of those truckers are just fiercely independent entrepreneurs, and uh, they they like mm-hmm. uh, having their own business, so to speak, and and to to run it that way. Uh, anything else you're looking for in the in the days ahead? Uh, obviously, they're going to have to uh, work to to make that backlog and shorten that time frame out as they they dig themselves out. Anything else uh, on the horizon that you're watching as this moves forward? Uh, when it comes to Oakland, it's really just looking at their poor productivity to see if they're able to, um, you know, move the containers out. I mean, unfortunately, it's going to take weeks uh, for for this to get cleared up. But the other thing is, and and when it comes to your listeners, right up in up in your neck of the woods, agriculture is huge, and the Port of Oakland is the major gateway for U.S. exports, mm. ag exports in oh, particular. Wow. So if you have these delays, okay, of containers, it only delays the exports leaving that port. And another thing is the Port of Oakland, uh, ocean carriers were skipping the port because you had so much congestion over the ports of LA and Long Beach. They were skipping the Port of Oakland to kind of make up time, if you will, to get up to, say, Seattle and Tacoma and then go to Vancouver and then head back to, you know, China. Um, because of this, we've seen vessels avoid uh, Oakland now, as well as pick up anchor and leave to go to the port of Long Beach. So if you are a farmer up in the Pacific Northwest and your items were not able to get on a vessel, they're going to have to sit and wait. And unfortunately, we have seen agriculture products spoil Mm. because of the wait. Uh, and that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, I'm so glad you, you brought the export component to all of that because we often we're thinking about what's coming in, what's coming in for us. But this also impacts U.S. businesses who are trying to get products out uh, to other places as well. Uh, great insight. Lorianne uh, LaRocco, of course, is senior editor of Guests on uh, CNBC Business News, uh, also the author of several books, including Trade Wars. 
containers don't lie. I want to have a deeper dive with you on that one uh, someday uh, because I, I think it's such a, an interesting thing and the dynamics of all of this is just really compelling and it impacts all of us. It impacts so many small business owners. Uh, we have so much export, especially here in the state of Utah, uh, that does get hit uh, both coming in and going out and uh, great, great insight. Uh, Lorianne, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You know, I continued my conversation with Lorianne after we uh, finished the interview, and and she uh, talked a lot about the inland port here in the state of Utah and how important and vital that was and how strategic that was and how it can actually make a difference in a lot of these bottlenecks and supply chain issues, uh, and Utah is really well positioned there. Uh, so it was really interesting to have Lorianne recognize Utah's role in all of this, uh, not just in connection with what's happening at the Oakland port with those kind of protests. Uh, but I have to go back. It was such an interesting combination uh, between the longshoremen uh, who are highly unionized uh, and these uh, truckers, these independent truckers who want to be independent truckers. They don't They don't want to be an employee of any business. They don't want a boss telling them what to do and when to do it and how to do it. Uh, they want to be independent business owners, and so they take care of their own insurance. But it was interesting to see those two groups come together, uh, a union group uh, and an independent group uh, who is not unionized uh, in a lot of these independent truckers coming together, which which often shows that you can actually get to the better solutions outside of just what's happening in government. It's also interesting to me that uh, I think this is going to be – very interesting waters for Gavin Newsom, governor of California, to navigate. Of course, his name continues to rise as one of those who could seek the presidency in 2024. Uh, he has a, a lot of support uh, in the state of California from a lot of those labor unions. Uh, and so this issue uh, of the gig economy and gig employees or whether they're gig independent business people, uh, I think is going to be really complicated. Uh, for Governor Newsom, uh, because the impacts are are very far-reaching. And uh, again, a lot of his funding, a lot of his support is coming from a lot of those uh, big unions down there in California. Uh, And so it'll be interesting to see if he bucks those trends, if he uh, really sees the vision in terms of the gig economy and what that could look like or should look like. And uh, uh, so that will be a fascinating thing to, to watch as well. And of course, we'll continue to keep close tabs on what's happening as it relates to the inland port here in the state of Utah and how that's going to impact uh, ports like the Port of Oakland uh, and others along the West Coast that could uh, really provide some relief in terms of what's coming in uh, and then how it's moving from there. What happens once it gets seaside uh, and then it gets uh, onto a truck or a train and and moves from there. So all of that is really interesting. Uh, Again, I doubt any of you woke up this morning thinking what I really want to learn about today is a trucker strike in California. Uh, But it's another one of those things where Laws have unintended consequences, and a law passed in the state of California is impacting us here in the state of Utah today, and all of those things get passed along, and we just have to make sure we're understanding what's the value, what's the value proposition, uh, who's it helping, who's it hurting, uh, and what are the long-term ramifications as well. And that's why when it comes to public policy, uh, you, you just can't do it on the back of a napkin, and you just can't do it with a bumper sticker slogan. And we're going to talk more about that later on today. Uh, that it's one thing to have that great idea or that compelling John F. Kennedy moonshot kind of slogan that we're going to go after something, but you got to do the math and you have to do the hard work and the heavy lifting of creating strategy and tactics and a plan and look at all of the ramifications as things move down the road. 
All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside for bottom of the hour news. Coming up, uh, the Senate today passed the CHIPS Act uh, to help American companies manufacture vital semiconductors. But Scott Hodge from the Tax Foundation says the politicians are getting it wrong. They're going after the wrong thing in the wrong way. Might be picking winners and losers. Find out what Scott has to say coming up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.